0: Well, hello everyone. Uh, got Brother Will, Ms. Christy, Ashley, and myself here, and we wanted to take some time and give sort of an explanation, and I'd like to ask them some questions as the pastor couple here, and Ashley, what are you called? The youth pastor couple? I guess so. Never mind. I so, don't count. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ashley went, so she gets to be involved, but I'm just kidding. So we went to the SBC 2021 Southern Baptist Convention. So before we get into asking some questions on the Southern Baptist Convention, I thought it would be helpful if we gave a very brief high-level explanation. If you were like me, there's several things I learned at the convention because I wasn't fully aware of how Southern Baptist life works. As in how does a local church like Bono, how do we fit into the Southern Baptist Convention? So a few things that hit the highlights before we get going that might help us understand what we're going to be talking about. So here's how the Southern Baptist Convention works and its connection to a local church like Bono Baptist. Baptists are people, we believe a lot of things. A lot of people might think Baptists are all about baptizing by immersion. But Baptists are actually Predominantly about local church autonomy brother will how would you define local church autonomy?
1: Well, in the most simplistic terms We each stand alone and govern ourselves Autonomy autonomy really means we get to be our own entity Um, And so as a Southern Baptist Church. Yes, we partner with other churches of like faith Yet we make our own decisions our own rules. We govern ourselves
0: right So that's the point to get across is when you see Baptists, whether they're part of the Southern Baptist Convention or not, yes, they baptize by immersion, but Baptists are a people who have said historically, we believe there's only one ruler over the church, and that's Jesus Christ himself. And because Jesus Christ is the head of the church, our theology is that every local church is autonomous. They govern themselves under the headship of Jesus Christ. So that means... You know, we don't follow a pope. We don't follow a network of larger churches. We don't follow a council. There's no leadership outside of Bunno that technically tells us what to do, right? It's just Jesus Christ, and we're trying to follow him through the scriptures. So having said that, then the question becomes, well, what about the Southern Baptist Convention? How does that work out? Well, over time, Baptist churches realized that they could do more for the Great Commission if they were to partner together. So, Baptists agreed to work together and share their resources. Now, the SBC is called a convention. It's a convention of like-minded Baptist churches who have voluntarily agreed to cooperate together for missions and evangelism. So, the idea would be, if you think about Bunno, for example, there's a lot we can do as a church, like we did with C2O, but would you agree that there's more impact if we were to join together with say Wooster and Greenbrier first and it that's what C2O kinda was is we saw that if we join together there's more impact. Is that, you know, that's that? exactly what the so that's kind of the idea of the SBC. It's Baptist churches that said look if we pull resources together we can literally reach the world. But Bono is not capable to reach every country. We can might can reach one, but we can't reach every one of them. So these local autonomous Baptist churches agreed to join together, and they were called the Southern Baptist Convention. The only thing that really ties us together outside of that would be these churches do need to affirm what's called the Baptist faith and message, but that's a, a broad theological statement to make sure that we're believing the same ideas in a generic sense theologically. But they give a percentage of their undesignated offering funds to something called the cooperative program. Now, the cooperative program is what funds the SBC institutions. So there's NAM, North American Mission Board, IMB, International Mission Board. So you have NAM doing domestic church planning and disaster relief, you have IMB doing foreign missionary work, Lifeway is our publishing group. They're doing resources, and then it funds some seminaries, which does ministerial training. We have the executive committee. They do the operations and logistics year-round, and then you have a few others, such as the WMU, Women's Missionary Union. So now what does a church get in exchange for that? Well, in exchange for that, if you think about Bunno, so Bunno gives a percentage of the income to the CP, the cooperative program, And Bono is able to take part in sending missionaries to like China, Iraq, Iran, and so forth. And would you agree, Brother Will, that if it wasn't for that, it would probably be very difficult for a church in our size, in our area, to literally send missionaries to five different foreign countries.
1: Well, our church couldn't find a missionary in and of ourselves individually on the field very long at all, much less multiple missionaries around the world. Yet we have an influence, we have a part, we have a percentage invested in missions around the world because our CP giving is divided that way. And so we, could, we can confidently say our church, we have missionaries in, in almost every country of the world really, you know? Right. And, and we are actively engaged in that mission work through our right. giving.
0: So if Bunno Baptist was not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, Bunno might could help a family. I'll just, you know, Colorado comes to mind, your brother being there. So, you know, we could conceivably help someone like your brother and his family, but even only to a point. We we couldn't literally fund his living Mm. year-round. But because we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention, everyone at Bunno can say to anyone, hey, you know what, my church literally helps send missionaries to Iraq, Iran, China. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we would not be able to do that. So that's kind of the trade-off that you get is you take part in funding these operations. So Bunnell gets to play a, a role in that, that we couldn't do otherwise. Now we also get something in return personally though. We get resources. We, we get resources that the SBC provides us. They have a paid staff. They have resources that help local churches do their own mission and evangelism work. For example, we've already mentioned C2O but Brother Will, was not some of the things that we had at our disposal from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention? So
1: our, our state convention partnered with us, the whole medical dental clinic side of it mm-hmm. was from them, um, provided once again by CP Dollars. Right. Um, and not just that, but some of the logistics and administrative things behind the scenes before it ever happened, they were parts of, providing uh, leadership and guidance and so forth. So uh, they do provide quite a bit that a lot of people probably don't even recognize.
0: That's right, so at C2O, the Arkansas State Convention, which is part of the SBC, they provided the equipment and found doctors to do the medical and dental. Bunno could have conceptually got something like that together, but that that would have been a very big stretch for us to do that on our own. So the point being, uh, the SBC, I wanna make this clear, when we talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, it has no authority over Bunno. They cannot tell Bunno any other Baptist church this is what you're going to do they they cannot do that but we send portions of our money to fund these entities that let us take part in doing missions and evangelism work here and around the world and in exchange we get resources as well so then this leads up to the annual meeting and I'll I'm going to ask some questions of these people here but the annual meeting we went to in Nashville that was sort of a like a church having a business meeting So it was the Southern Baptist Convention coming together to conduct their annual reporting and to vote on matters of of budgets and to hear issues before the gathered messengers there. But it was also a time for churches to make sure that the cooperative program money is being used properly or in a way that the churches see fit. Well, I'd like to start with you. Can you just walk us through now why we went to Nashville, Meaning more specifically, what was the point of Bunno sending us as messengers? What was the purpose of, I'd like you to speak to two things, what was the purpose of the SEND Conference and then the purpose of what we were doing there for two days at the actual convention?
1: Okay. Well, the two things had happened, what's called the SEND Conference and then the SBC Annual Meeting. Now, those are two distinct, two very distinct events. The SEND Conference is not tied to the Annual Meeting and usually is not part of that Annual Meeting. The SIN Conference is really an international mission board event. Uh, North American Mission Board partners with them. And there we get to celebrate, endorse, commission, and send out the missionaries that our CP dollars are supporting. Um, it's a time of celebration, really, a, a time of edification, time of worship. And then um, it's uh, you get to uh, at least hear names of missionaries, at least see roughly within reason, these missionaries. And no, these are the specific individuals we have commissioned, we're supporting, they're on the field, uh, they're, they're busy with the Great Commission. So it's, it's really a celebratory time. Um, then the next two days, you roll into the annual meeting. And there is worship involved. Um, there's prayer, they do have sermons, uh, things of that nature, but it is much more about business, the business of our convention accountability of our convention leaders and entities. Um, So Bono Baptist Church needs to send messengers there. Why? Well, because we want to hear how our cooperative dollars are being spent. We want to know what these people we have voted to hold positions are doing. Basically, it's them giving an account to us. We also send messengers because our church has an equal say as any other Southern Baptist Church in the nation, on what happens, what's going on, so we're represented equally. And if uh, this year, in particular,ly there was a lot of uh, hype about some issues that that seemed to be devices. At least they were presented that way. It, I felt it was important this year to make sure we were there because if certain issues were presented, we wanted to be able to voice. Here's where Bono Baptist Church stands on certain topics, certain issues, because our vote carries as much weight as the biggest church in the country. And so we wanted to be there to basically kind of say, here's where we stand. And uh, I know we'll get into more of that later, so I'm not going to keep going. But, but in a nutshell, we get to be representative uh, of our church as messengers and, and hear reports, hold people accountable and make sure the convention as a whole is kind of making decisions we can endorse and support. Um, the neat thing is, and once again, I know we're going to get into it, so I won't go there too far, but the neat thing is is to understand Bono Baptist church and thousands and thousands of churches, just like this body, we are the convention. So we guide what happens. That's why we're there to dictate, to lead. And we elect leaders who we feel will, go the
0: direction we want right. it gone, but anyway that's my summary <laughs> so let me start with miss christine and then go to ashley how would you describe and this is just your own opinion but how would you describe your experience just at the SEND conference right now so we'll do the convention in a minute but just the SEND conference portion
2: okay the first two days of the time that we were in nashville was the SEND conference and like brother will said That was an opportunity for the International Mission Board and um, the North American Mission Board to celebrate the good things that Jesus is doing um, with our cooperative dollars and around our country and around our world. In um, a season where uh, the world seems so divisive and even the church seems so divisive, it was so good to come there meet with 16,000, 17,000, I don't even know how many thousand other fellow believers and celebrate the good that Jesus is doing. We, um, We got to worship, we got to hear really good preaching that encouraged us, that edified us, that spurred us on to share the good news of Jesus, to start gospel conversations in our own areas of ministry and then also it spurred us on to be aware of what's going on in ministry areas um, around the world in our own country. And it spurred us on to, to pray for them, to to lift lift them up daily, to um, find ways to support people. You know, some of our NAM dollars, our North American Missions Board dollars, go to pay for missionaries that work right here in Arkansas. So it, it was an opportunity for us to think about the foreign missionaries and how we can support them both monetarily um, and emotionally, spiritually, through prayer, but also those local local things that are going on as well. So, I really enjoyed the SIN conference.
3: The SIN conference was just a really good time, um, like has already been said, to, to build us up, to encourage us. Um, for me, so often, I think of missions as being so far outside our reach, our ability to do And so to see this and to see, kind of like you said, all the ways that we can be involved, even if it's not ourselves going, but in the sending of others and the praying for others and the supporting of them, um, that's just something that, for me, I don't intentionally think about. So this was just a good time to see those things, to be reminded of those things, and what we can do moving forward to really focus on those things more, especially as family, as an individual. what you can do that can really help because you don't, I feel like, see that a lot.
0: Now, this is for you two ladies again. What did you guys get to do that was sort of special during the day of Sin conference that was for women?
3: Um, So they had a women's track. Um, We got to attend that. They had a women's expo, and so um, when you walked through that, they had all kinds of um, booths set up, whether it was from the seminaries or different, ministries to help support families or to support discipleship so they had a lot of interesting things set up that we could look at and see that are things that um at least I saw several things that I would like to try to do um either with our teens or with our women that would be really interesting I think helpful especially um, growing wise and discipling ourselves and those that we are with here at church um but then the actual women's track, they had um, several speakers come in. It was, it was just really good. Once again, one of those things that was really uplifting, encouraging, kind of um, to get you back on that track, get you to kind of relight that fire in you, that drive that you have for just ministry in general.
2: And um, There were some really, um, really good speakers. We heard um, from Sheila Walsh, if some of you guys are familiar with her and she gave her testimony um, about her struggle with mental illness and finding sufficiency in Christ. And then we had a a really good speaker from the heart of Arkansas, Amy Hanna, and she spoke about hospitality and um, the the call that Jesus gives us um, through his word to be hospitable to people that we are ministering to. They also did um, a panel of women from all different walks of life. There were women that, um, there was a a young young lady who spoke about, she's a seminary professor and she spoke just from a um, a very intellectual perspective and there were also women there who spoke from a ministry perspective as ministers' wives, as as people who have been in the ministry for a long time and then um, there were people who specialized in family and marriage counseling and ministry, and all of those were super helpful. And like Ashley said, it was just an opportunity to light a fire under us again. Sometimes you get all about the business of church and the, 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 the day-to-day what we do, but this was an opportunity to get excited about what, what God is doing through the church and through women in the church. And so it was very motivating. Thank
0: you, brother. Well, what about for the pastors?
1: Well, it, I think they, uh, I think they really tried to, maybe, I think the goal was, at least from my perspective, to just provide a time where pastors could uh, worship and uh, maybe be poured into a little bit, if that makes sense. You know, um, rather than have to be on point and um, shepherding, I think it was more of why don't you. Uh, get poured into, why don't you get a little recharge here, that kind of thing. Um, it, it, just a time where you didn't have to be the guy anymore. You got to be the worshiper, the congregant, you know, um, which is important. Uh, that's, that was honestly probably, from my standpoint, the benefit of, of that aspect of it. Um,
0: tell us what you think about that. I thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good uh, so now then, from each of you, and I know this question's a little little strange, maybe, but I want to try to relate to the congregation how even something like the sin conference was worthwhile so how do how would you maybe say that even just the sin conference was was valuable to us, but how does that help us come back to bono and be of better service to them? We'll just.
1: Down the line for the world? Well, um, for one thing, it puts real people in those slots we talk about. We talk about uh, giving to Annie Armstrong. We talk about giving to Lottie Moon, you know, um, things of that nature. But at the Sin Conference, we saw, was it 64, I believe, individual missionaries standing before us, real people, not just. metaphorical missionaries we send, but real-life individuals who stood in front and said, I'm so-and-so, here's my little story, here's where I'm being sent to. And so you come back and you can, I guess, honestly stand before your congregation and say, it's important to give. And it's important to support these missionaries because we've seen them. We've heard their stories. We've prayed for them collectively in that moment to send them out, some to hostile places where they couldn't even show their identities. And so I think that pastorally it's a benefit in that you can come back and say, I've seen it firsthand. These are real people and we really are commissioning them. It's not a, it's not a, a business strategy where we are sending out franchises. These are ministry workers called to serve the kingdom with a heart for the great commission and yes we're giving them dollars but it's dollars for kingdom work you know and so I, that's my take on it uh, y'all may go a different way that's okay
2: well one thing that they kept saying um repeatedly uh, as they were talking about acts 1 8 and our and the great commissions that we do have uh, through through cross one thing that they kept saying is we're called to go and if you aren't in a place where right this minute you're called to go into a foreign land or into full-time ministry or anything like that, you're called to send. And so, what was convicting to my heart was to look at my own family, our own church, um, my own life, and to see what am I doing to prepare people to send them out into the into gospel conversations, into. Um, mission work whether it be here or abroad if you're that that phrase just kept sticking in my mind if you're not called to go right now you're called to send and so as a church i want us to be people who are ready and prepared to send send people out to send our children out to send our women out our men all of our congregation to send them out into a world that is so hungry for the gospel of Christ. And um, the theme of the SEND conference was the gospel unites. And um, like I said before, in a world where we are so divided, in a country where we're so divided, the only thing that unites us, it's not political parties, it's not, um, it's not through protest or through um, saying the right things or doing the right things, it's the gospel. The gospel is what unites you know, our, our country, our lives, our friends, our families together.
3: Um, you know, for me, I think as far as the sin conference, being able to see, like we've said, see those real people that are going, um, to have that visual, to know, like, this, these are people that are really going. They have been called specifically to this area whether it's here in the Americas or overseas, to see that is so important. Um, I'm definitely a visual person. So for me, to, to hear it doesn't have as big as an impact, but then when you see it, and especially when you hear some of their stories, to, to hear what they're leaving behind to go, um, it really does light that fire in you to, to go if you can, but more importantly, to support those that are going and I think that's that's a huge thing that we often forget. We think we can't go, so what do we do? Um, this the whole sin conference, you know, like you said, as far as that, if you can't go, you send to to get behind that idea to really um, to see those people that are going and to see the ways because you know they didn't just show us the people, they didn't just introduce themselves, they gave us real practical things that those families as they're going to this place, what they. God is calling them to do and what they need us to do as we pray. You know, they actually gave us their prayer requests. And so to hear those things and to know and to have specific needs, I think that's so, at least for me, huge to know, okay, they need me to be praying for this. They need me to be praying for their kids as they're transitioning to this new culture or, or whatever the request was. And to be able to bring that back to our church and to explain that to people I just think is huge and I really think it's something that as many people as can should be able to experience that firsthand um, because like, I, like we've said, you know, we don't think about it, we don't see it when it's not in front of us. We're so, we get so busy and we're on to the next thing and the next thing after that and so um, to see it firsthand really changes our, your perspective on those things.
0: We've kind of been mentioning it as we go, but Miss Christie, would you just fill in the blanks in case there's any confusion on what are we talking about happened at the last event of the SIN Conference?
2: Okay. The um, very end of the SIN Conference, the, the last session that we had there was the commissioning of uh, missionaries and missionary families who are um, going out at this point in time. Each year and... Not last year, obviously, because of uh, COVID um, regulations. They weren't able to send people out. But most years, they send out the missionaries um, to the different areas that they are going to be serving in. And as part of that um, sending out, they have these commissioning services, um, these send services. It's an opportunity to, to worship and to celebrate that Jesus is still calling people to himself but they introduce each family individually. Um, the way that they did it this time is they divided it up by regions. So we first talked about people who are going to the different areas in the Americas and then they would go throughout various regions um, around the con- country and world. And The um, uh, thing that was so fascinating about it is that they would call people, these missionaries, up on stage, and they would explain who they were, and they would talk about their families, and they would talk about where they were coming from and where they were going to, and like Ashley said, they would list very specific prayer needs as we can pray for them. There were some people who came, and they were able to show their faces, and we were able to see them standing up on stage, and they were um, eager and excited, and and nervous and all of the things as they prepared to serve the Lord in this way and it was really neat there were other people who they could not show their faces they would come up and be behind black screens and they couldn't even really tell us their names and and all because they were going into areas that would be hostile to the gospel and um, it was such an amazing opportunity to see them as they were preparing to go and to serve Jesus in such a sacrificing way And um, one thing that meant a lot to me in in watching that is they talked about their families. This isn't just a commitment that they were making as single people, although there were some single people who were going. This wasn't just them. Their entire family had committed to leaving behind the things that they knew, the things that they were comfortable with. And they were fully committed to serving Jesus on the mission field. Um, like Ashley said, we had opportunity to pray for them specifically as they broke up into, um, as they, we would pray for a certain region and then they would move on to the next region, introduce the missionaries who were serving there, and we would pray over them as well. Um, one particular uh, thing that I thought was really neat was there was a young single lady, and um, I believe her name might have been Maggie. And watching her was such an emotional experience because she is just a single woman straight out of college who's going overseas to serve Jesus because she loves him that much, that she was willing to sacrifice all the things that they sh- that kids usually do right out of college to go and to serve, to serve him faithfully. And I watched her stand there on that stage, eager to serve Jesus. And I was convicted because I, Feel myself praying, you know, Lord, send missionaries to these places. But watching a little Maggie stand up there and say, send me, Jesus, send me to serve these people groups and these places was so convicting as a mama. Instead of praying, send someone, I was convicted to pray, send, send mine, send ours to tell people about Jesus in every land.
0: Well, thank you for that, Ms. Christie. Shifting to the actual convention now. So let me just start, Brother Will, moving down again. Uh, Open-ended opinion here, but when it comes to the two-day convention meetings, what are some of the things that you liked and maybe some things you documented a little bit different?
1: Okay, well, um, when you you hear about the annual meeting, the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting, uh, you really need to understand business meeting, you know, on, on the ultimate scale. Um, now' I'm, I'll tell you this, I'm very, very impressed with the procedures, the polity, um, just almost the security of voting and how it's handled. and um, I don't think it would be I don't think it'd be possible at all to to skew or defraud the electoral process at the convention. It is just that secure and that well maintained. Um, it's conducted very orderly Uh, and the reality that it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter uh, what church you're from if you're a partnering church in the Southern Baptist Convention you can go to a microphone and you can say your piece you know I mean it's not something reserved for uh, you know the the superstars of of the church world or whatever now I'll say this on on the, uh, it gets a little strenuous because it is a two day long business meeting. You know, I mean, it does drag out. It's it's not uh, necessarily fun and joyful the whole time. You know, you're there to hear important matters, to vote on important matters. It's, it, you're not there at, um it's not like you went to a today Bible conference where you got to sing a whole lot and just hear some preaching and visit with people and yay. You know, it's, it's business. It's business. And so it, it is work. Now, did we enjoy it? Yes, because the Lord's work is enjoyable. But that doesn't mean the Lord's work's not sometimes tedious and so forth. So um, it can drag out and it can get a little arduous at times, I would say.
2: I mean yeah you're right about the time time we would get to the convention we tried to get there um, you know between 7 30 and 7 45 and some days we left at 7:30 or 7 45 or even 8 o'clock at night because it was it was lengthy but it was important work to do dustin do you want to explain just a little bit about like resolutions versus motions and How those different things
0: came to be, like what different things we were talking about during this time. You really want to know? Yeah, no, I think they want to know. So motions, people would make motions. Motions are they require action by an SBC body, an institution, or a committee. They have binding authority. So it would be like making a motion at a BUNO meeting and it requires the building and grounds committee to LED retrofit everything. Uh, They have to do something because we approved a motion. Or it would mean we change our bylaw. So it requires an action and it carries authority. A resolution is a statement by the messengers. It has no binding authority. It doesn't require action. A resolution is I've heard it summed up this way. Motions are inward. Motions tell the SBC you must do something. Resolutions are outward. It's our statement to the world that, hey, when we met in 2021, we resolved and stated these things. So it's sort of like you're declaring something that you believe. Um, And the important thing on our resolution, it's only the opinion of those messengers for that year. Because the next year, they could make a different resolution that counters the one previously.
3: You know... I really enjoyed the fact that um, they explained things. There was so much that did not make sense to me that was confusing. Um, I even remember a couple of people going up to the microphone and saying, look, I don't know if this is something I can say right now, but could someone please explain this? And um, several times they would stop to explain those things or to clarify what was going on because you're there a long time and it does get just tedious and you know like okay can we move on now but it's important that we understand what we're agreeing to what we're disagreeing with and so I, I really enjoyed that they did that um, you know I'm definitely one of those people I don't like to sit still um, I can get very impatient so I did struggle with that the fact that it's great the microphones are open and that if you have something to say I mean, if I had something to say, I could have gone to a microphone and, and said that. Um, but I did struggle with the fact that it didn't seem, that part of it did not seem orderly. You know, they have all this order for so much of it. But there was that time where, like, anyone could have gone up and said anything they wanted. Um, can we turn on the air? You know, and, and yes, we all laughed and chuckled at it there at the meeting. But it was one of those things that when you're in this meeting for hours and it seems like it's dragging on and dragging on, you're like, was it really that important that you have your moment to say, can you please turn on the air? And so, um, you know, I think it was a great experience and I loved to see those things and get to experience that. But I'm also one of those that was like, okay, can we move on to the next thing now? And so...
2: I I think think there were a few times where Ashley Ashley and I needed shirts that just just said, geez louise. Yes. Wait, wait wait a minute. But but just just to to give give you guys guys the background of of how this works. You start off your day with worship and some some um, prayer prayer time and and things like that. that. Um, The prayer time was divided divided out multiple times throughout the day and and I was was so impressed with with the opportunities. opportunities that they would have leaders come up and they would lead us in guided prayer time. And y'all, those people prayed and they prayed scripture. They knew so much of God's word and they would call to the Lord to do what he promised in his scriptures. And they would bring to our remembrance the things that the Lord said in his scriptures so that when we were working on the business of the church and the business of the convention, we remembered this is what Jesus says about about unity. This is the way Jesus, um, you know, implores us to conduct ourselves when we're in a body of believers and when we're out in the world. And so that those times when we called on the Lord, when we called on the Holy Spirit to be very present in the, in the room, it, even though there were things that we had to talk about that sometimes were uncomfortable or that sometimes were, um, um, maybe controversial, there was still a spirit of harmony. There was still, it might have been disagreeing opinions, but there was still a spirit of calmness. Of You saw those fruits of the spirit of patience with other people and um, different things like that because the Lord was very present in that room. So what they did, we had worship, and then we, had, um, we would have some prayer time, And then we would have different committees that would share reports about what they were doing. For example, LifeWay would share reports about this is how LifeWay is focused on the Great Commission and on helping us evangelize and here are the tools that we're providing for you. And then they would have seminary presidents speak and they would give reports about what was going on within their seminary and what they were using the Great Commission what would they, they were using the cooperative program dollars for for the purposes of the Great Commission and evangelism. Like that's what the purposes were for all of these meetings, like what are we doing with the cooperative dollars to help you reach your goal of, of fulfilling the Great Commission and evangelizing the gospel to a lost world. And so each person would give like their reports and then you would have opportunity for people to ask questions about things that they said and to get clarification or to say I think this is also important and so that's when when they're talking about times when they would come to the mic like like Will said anybody could walk up to the the microphone and say Um, A young lady, a a child, walked up to the microphone and asked the um, speaker about Lothway how they developed Vacation Bible School curriculums. Um, In the same way, people walked up to the microphone and asked very important questions to seminary professors about what they're teaching about various topics. And so there was an opportunity for people to have their voices heard. At, At various times throughout that, they would then stop those reports and they would talk about resolutions that were made, and like Brother Dustin said, those are like belief systems that we're saying, these are what Southern Baptists believe, and we're telling the world about that. So they would discuss resolutions, and we would get to talk about those for a bit, and then vote on whether or not we we felt those resolutions should go through. And then at a different time, they would talk about motions, things that we felt like needed to be acted upon Within, within the Southern, Southern Baptist, Baptist Convention, within, within our, our own body, body of, of churches there. there. And, and so those, those are the different things that we were doing. So when Ashley's, Ashley's talking about the Baptist, motions, somebody, somebody could stand up and, and say anything, anything, and they often did. There were, were lots of things that people thought we should be discussing within the Southern Baptist Convention, things from uh, how the Southern Baptist Convention reacts towards abortion, all the way to, we need air conditioning in this room, because that was a motion that was made. And so it was an opportunity for people to walk up. It, it wasn't like an executive board saying, hey, here are the only things we're going to talk about. It was an opportunity for anybody to walk up and say, but this is important to me. This is important that I feel like we need to address. And they, it was important because of how it relates to the Great Commission and evangelizing.
1: Really well. That all sounds really good. Yeah. I actually wasn't paying attention to any of that, so I don't know. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Oh, wow. I'm just joking. No, r- really. Um, uh, it, everything. I mean, that's that's a great explanation of what of, of of this process. And so, you attend this convention as a messenger representing your church, so that you can then come back to your church and say, "I, I am witness to the accountability." the reports given, the, the active engagement in resolutions or motions and etc. and we had our say, we were there firsthand, we know what's going on, and you can come back in good confidence to know, here's the direction of our convention of churches, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it is, I would say this, if it would do church members, it would do them good to have to go to one of these. Um, if they went to one of these, they would never come back to one of our business meetings, ever. Any church and cause a problem, um, and they would have a whole new respect for how big and expansive our little cooperative giving reaches—the six seminaries and different organizations and where where we have influence. You know, it's it's just impressive, and and. It's a, it's a system of accountability. Our seminary presidents, they didn't get up there to say, here's what I do, and here's how you're going to take it. They were reporting. It was an, it was, they were giving an account to the messengers who are holding them accountable. Same thing with the LifeWay CEO or uh, the chairman of the executive committee and et cetera, and et cetera. They're giving an account to us as messengers because we hold them accountable.
2: And not accountable to us, not even accountable to our churches, but accountable to the commands that Jesus gives us right. to be great commission Christians. Mm-hmm. Who are, And that's what we're holding them accountable for. That's what we want to make sure that our cooperative followers are going to do. They're going to honor Jesus through the great commission and through the opportunities to evangelize.
0: There was a lot of social media and even mainstream media hype that was leading up to this convention. I've, I've heard several of those people there say it was probably more than, than ever, but there was so much hype about key issues that were predicted to possibly even split the convention. So most years I was reading have five to 6,000 messengers, and they said that I think there we have, what, 16,000 registered messengers. So how would each of you describe the mood, though, on the floor, given the possibility of what We were kind of told could have happened there and specifically then do you think that the social media hype lived out on the convention floor or just what do you think just go down well i
1: think uh, and i'll be honest with you that was uh, honestly because i was aware of certain issues that had been part of the hype it was really what tipped my scale to say yeah you know what i'll go and invest my time to spend at this convention and uh, be at the annual meeting, and what I found was there wasn't, I don't think there was a spirit of dissension. I don't think there was a spirit of conflict. I think there was disagreement on key issues because you have 16,000 messengers representing their churches, and not everyone's going to agree. There's no way everyone's going to agree, and some of these issues, some people take different stances on and there was disagreement on some issues but there was not conflict, there was not discord, there was not dysfunction as these things were addressed at all and you know uh, right off the get-go I mean right out of the bat and continually it kept coming up and maybe I was coming up in my mind because it was one of the things that I was looking to hear and, I, and it was confirmed for me but just right out of the gate it was, very, it was confirmed that The Southern Baptist Convention and our leaders are ultimately committed to the authority of Scripture, the authority of the Bible, and the reality that the Bible is our ultimate source that we go to without any other need for any other interpretation, without any other influence, without any other input from any other type of theories or anything else, and it was just reconfirmed time and again from the people we have elected to serve that they're committed to the authority of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, that the Bible is God's Word. You know, uh, that was very good to hear. The Even the most hotly debated resolution, um, one that's been in the press, I think, since then, even the most hotly debated one that was had the most close vote, yeas and nays and all that, I still didn't walk away saying, well, that was an area of contention and now we're divided over it. Yes, it was closely debated and the vote was close for yays and nays and all that. But we all left united with with the Great Commission and so on and so forth, not a division. And so I think the the hype leading into it was just that. It was a lot of hype. You had a lot of hype about which guy's going to be elected president and what does that mean and does it send the convention off this way or that way and so on and so forth. People were adamant to vote for who they wanted to vote for, but you know, um, when it was all said and done, and the dust settled, okay, here's who it is. Let's go. You know, there's unity there. That's I, so hot. I give the thumbs down to the hot. I didn't. I didn't experience it. I didn't see it. So, is Christine? I agree
2: with him. Okay. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> I mean. I'm not as much of a follower of social media, but I I was made aware of a lot of that stuff, and he's definitely right, you know, there was all this hype, and you know, there was concern, and people did want their opinions heard, but you didn't get this hype that led to the disunity, the the dysfunction. It was, um, what term did they use continually? Um, A friendly. Amendment. Uh, I make
1: a friendly amendment,
3: you know, um, and I thought you saw that time and time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, it was concern, and it was concern for ensuring that we were on that path to see that great commission fulfilled, to see the evangelism happening, and so, um, I honestly, I thought that was just really amazing to see, because there was the hype, there was the Oh my, oh my goodness, there are going to be fights, there, there's going to be people just leaving left and right, and that, I mean, that's not what happened at all, and so I think it was good to actually witness that, to see that, you know, what we're hearing all around us is not always reality.
0: So on that note, let me read a couple of article headlines. This is from Vox. And the title says, America's largest evangelical denomination is at war with itself. And they're talking about the Southern Baptist Convention. That was published on June 18th, right after the convention. Um, Slate had a title similar, Evangelicals are at war with themselves. Now, their article I read was specifically about the Southern Baptist Convention. That was on June the 21st. I've heard similar things. I've, I've seen uh, words like rift in the SBC. So my question would be: I mean, do you think these headlines are accurate, given what you saw at the convention? I mean, do you think we're just headed for? I,
1: I think I think once again, it's hype post convention. You had pre-convention hype. Now you have post-convention hype, and the reality is, um, um, the resol- Let's just let's just throw it out there and call it by name, so we don't have to tiptoe. There was a particular resolution on abortion that was brought up. It was debated it was a close vote for and against. The media grabs that and tries to portray it it as our commission of churches were split on the issue of abortion. That's not at all what the... The truth is, if you were there, you saw 100% unanimous agreement, we are against abortion. But the wording given here, we just can't support the wording. The vernacular used on two, two lines of this is not good, and, and so people, people voted no based on vernacular of two lines, lines, not in support of abortion. Right. But then the media takes that and says, "Oh, they're split over it. Look how close that vote was. You know, it was almost fifty-fifty-four against." And and so you get the media and even conservative media people who have they have a position they want to uphold. They have a motive behind what they're doing, and they'll take this and they spin it to support their motive, their intention. The reality is the Southern Baptist Convention is nowhere close to being split. There's not a rift. You'd look at the the resolution on abortion that passed and say, well, it was so close, there must be a split. No. If you're there and you understand what's being said, everyone said we're in favor of stopping this. We cannot be in favor of this wording used here. It, it doesn't show grace to people. The outside world doesn't grasp it and I don't think they care to grasp it. The media sitting at that media table didn't care to grasp the reality of that. They were looking to report something that was a divisive vote and make it a divisive vote. And it wasn't divisive at all.
2: And the thing that we have to remember is, like Will said, everybody who is reporting has various motives as to why they're reporting things one way or the other way. But the fact of the matter is, the world is not our enemy, and even the the media is not our enemy. Our enemy is, is Satan, who's trying to do anything he can do to detract away from the gospel of Christ. And so, whenever he is, he plants those seeds of of controversy in our world. It's not even to tear us down; it's to take the world's eyes off of what. what the the Great Great Commission Baptists are here for, for sharing the gospel, evangelizing the world. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to detract the attention away from what that whole sin conference was reminding us of, what um, the group of believers are committed to doing. That's what the whole purpose is and the divisiveness throughout the media is to detract away from what Jesus is doing. So we as believers need to speak the truth about what happened in the convention but we speak the truth about what happened in the convention with the purpose for the purpose of sharing the gospel of explaining how the gospel unites of explaining how people can be in disagreement and still live peaceably it's because of jesus do you have any thoughts
3: um, no i agree wholeheartedly uh, you're gonna share these facts right sure so, so dustin's gonna share some facts later and I think I think I (laughs) I think Ms. Christie's right completely in saying you know we're really battling against Satan and these facts are amazing that he's going to share and Satan doesn't want the world to know these things he wants our focus to be on the splits and the rifts and, and to just distract in any way he can and so I think that's We're talking about those agendas, you know, Mm -hmm. those agendas to distract and and take the focus away from Christ, from what Christ is calling us to do, from what Christ wants us to do. And so I think that's really where a lot of this decisiveness comes from. It's not not true. It's not what's really there. But it does take our time and attention away from the good things that our churches are doing, that our convention is doing. Mm
1: -hmm. And... I might just interject very quickly because I have already said my piece, I know, but those who are following the headlines, mainstream media, or conservative outlets, or you have your own people that put out their podcasts or uh, have their little web pages and you're following them and they're making such statements, I'd encourage you, go and do the research yourself and see if you can't find a better overall understanding. Because one thing I have been very disappointed in following this is even the very next day, Christian, even Southern Baptist leaders, getting on their Twitter accounts and different things and fueling some of these things, um, ignoring the cooperative spirit, ignoring... The fact that everyone stood together and said, here's what we're in favor of, but here's where we're hung up. even That's been my biggest disappointment is we have people who are evangelical leaders who are using their platforms now to kind of fuel some of this because their particular little nuance wasn't supported or whatever it might be. And they haven't shown enough self-control. They've forgotten that Paul told us not to be busybodies, and that's what they're doing. You know, um, so I just encourage people if you're hearing this, you listen to the radio or you read uh, something on the internet, blah, blah, don't stop with that source. You need to look for multiple sources and get a better, broader view to get a, a more accurate picture.
2: And um, I don't know exactly where it is, I can find it if you're interested, but there are lots of opportunities to just listen to com- the convention yourself they may not have recorded every portion of it but there are a lot of portions that you can find yourself so just like we'll say go directly to the source go listen to what some of the pastors were saying go and go and watch the spirit of unity that was going on in that place go look for yourself rather than just take the word of someone else but if you do take the word of someone else because that's also a source go to people that you know were there and go and ask them what are your opinions are about what has happened? Give us feedback. Give us reassurance that we are still following the um, dictates of what Christ has asked us to do within our churches. All right, so direct question.
0: And y'all can answer too, but I'm also directly asking the pastor. I mean, how do we feel about the future of the SBC and our place in it? Are we still proud to be in the SVC, or are we concerned?
1: Well, I'm, I'm very resolute where we need to be. Um, as a partnering church, I don't think we'll find any other organization that will allow us to be as engaged in the Great Commission work than the Southern Baptist Convention. I believe that they publicly stated at this annual meeting the things that our church needed to hear and wants to hear as far as the authority of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, the, the conservative stance they took on everything. Anything you hear about it's going liberal is a bunch of hogwash. It's, it's not. And Dustin gave a good analogy when we were speaking, so I'd like you to share that um, as far as the spectrum
0: of. Oh, okay. And, and so oh, that's, yeah. that, that yeah. I
1: think would help people understand this whole liberal stance.
0: Yeah, I, this isn't original to me. I heard it from my professor that I was there doing a class with, and he said, don't believe when you hear people say, well, we, we voted for a, a left, a president on the left, or the SBC is now moving liberal. And he said, well, Okay. In the political world of America, if you think about Joe Biden and Donald Trump, I mean, they're this far apart, as far apart as you can be left and right. And so when you talk about left versus right, there's a very big difference. But within the SBC, you're talking this far apart. Mm -hmm. So when you say, this guy's left and this, he's more progressive, don't interpret that to mean the same thing you hear in American politics. More progressive, means he's still very conservative when it comes to the SBC. It just means he's a little different than that guy, but their differences are like this, not like this. That's right. You know, so.
1: On the spectrum, we're still very close in our beliefs and our ideologies. they honestly, Bono uh, Baptist Church, in the eyes of some people, would be considered liberal because, well, at C2O, we partnered with outside churches and entities. Um, we allow a drum set on our stage. I don't wear a tie while I preach. We're, we're a, a, ch- a church on the left in the eyes of some people in our convention. So when you hear the words, we're going liberal and we're swinging left, you need to put that in perspective of what that means, really.
0: Yeah, don't, don't filter that through American political lens It's right. the idea there. That does not mean the same thing. So just some sort of a final question. Looking back on the whole experience, what do y'all think about the value of Bunno Baptist still trying to have a presence at the, the convention? Do you think it's important for churches like Bunno to participate in the proceedings?
1: I think it is just because, once again, we started with the statement referring to the fact that every church that's a part of this convention is equally represented, but you're represented because your messengers are there, you know? Um, and so uh, what to, to, to illustrate that, there were pastors there that I know, you know, people in our congregation would know because they're prominent. You see them on television. They have thousands upon thousands of members' churches. They stood in line at a microphone like Joe Blow from the mountains of West Virginia. They waited their turn like he waited his turn to say their piece. There's, there's, there's no hierarchy other than every church is on the same playing field dictating up. Here's what we want to see done. And so if your convention does take a swing you don't like, you should have been at the convention to voice it, to let your voice be heard, to let your vote be cast. You know, um, I, don't, I don't know that it's feasible to go every single time or whatever, but I think as much as is possible, it's valuable for churches to send messengers.
0: Ladies, do you have any thoughts?
2: Um, I do think that it's valuable also for people to go um who are not just uh i I think it's very valuable as ministers or ministers wives for you to go but i think it's equally as valuable for your congregants to go to go and see the things that are going on to go and hear the things that are going on because um we are here in leadership but you all are the people who are going out into your workplaces, into the mission fields. And I think it's very beneficial for you to be able to be, be equipped and to be edified the way that we were. I think it would be a great opportunity. We can send all of you as messengers. You can all come with us. Well, some of them
1: might have to be guests, actually. Oh, but, sorry. But.
0: but I think our CV giving would have to go up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Giving final thoughts, Ashley?
3: Um, No, I agree. I definitely, I told Dustin um, afterwards that I thought, you know, this is something that everyone should try to go to, even just once, to see. Um, You know, I do not agree that Anaheim is the place for me to go to, as much as I know Dustin really would like to go. Um, But I do think if it's possible for you to go, you should at least go one time.
0: Well, do y'all have anything that wasn't said that y'all wanted to say or bring up?
2: We want to um, thank you guys for um, for supporting us in going and doing these things and giving us opportunities to, to go and um, to serve you all and to serve Jesus well as we go out and um, develop and 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 gain the resources that helps us to come back here and um, pass those resources on to you guys. We we just want to say thank you.
0: Absolutely. If y'all don't have anything else, I just wanted to end with sort of a play on words. Uh, We mentioned headlines that portray the SBC as divided, but I think it would be worthwhile. I pulled some of these numbers from our book of reports from these entities, and here's some headlines to end with that make me very proud that we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. The North American Mission Board, for example, reported that they planted 588 new churches in America and that was last year uh, during the pandemic. The disaster relief distributed more than 300,000 meals. They served over 41,000 people, shared the gospel over 1260 times. The International Mission Board says that 535,000 people around the world heard the gospel with 89,325 people becoming believers. They planted over 12,000 new churches and this is all around the world. Um, And then we took several biblical stances on several issues and reaffirmed our commitments to God's word and the Great Commission. So we do want to say thank you for letting us go. We hope that this has been helpful and informative to you. And I just want to say, if you have any more questions about things you've heard or you want to talk about, please forward all your questions and talk to Brother Will personally, and he can take care of any, anything you need to talk about the SBC.